Epilogue. Jesus appears to seven disciples. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that will be written. The disciples are working in the middle of the night. And when we say the middle of the night, we're saying it's not modern times, and so it's likely dark. It's really dark outside. 
I mean, maybe they've got the, the full night sky glimmering above them and, and, and reflecting off of the water as they're working. Maybe the, the moon is particularly bright tonight. But it's the, the setting of this, this time is that they're, they're working in the dark. And, and not only are they working at the dark, they're, they're working hard. They're, they're casting their nets out and they're pulling their empty nets back in and they're casting their nets out and pulling the empty nets back in. And they're working over the course of the night. They're likely exhausted. They're, they're likely just, just empty, uh, similar to their nets. But I imagine that tonight's also therapeutic for them. That, that in this effort of going out and fishing, that, that it's just good to be in, in, in this motion of, of labor. Uh, maybe that there's, because there's just so much processing that needs to happen for them. You just think about the, the range of emotion that they've gone through from Good Friday to, to Easter Sunday and then these, these other appearances that they've had with Jesus. Can you imagine the, the, just the low lows that they've been in and the high highs that they've gone through? It's just, I just imagine that, that their bodies are worn out, that, that physically, that mentally, that emotionally, they're just strained in this motion or in, in this, in this moment. And I know for you, maybe for you, it's, it's similar for me that, that there are often just times that I, I just need to go for a walk, that there's so much to process. There's so much to work through that it's, I just find that it's helpful for my body to be in, in, uh, in motion the same way that, that my mind is constantly in motion and working and processing and trying to figure things out. Again, there, there's probably so much processing that the disciples need to go through. I mean, can you imagine the, the one that they've put all of their hopes in dies, and then three days later, he appears to them. I mean, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's extreme depth, but then it's, it's mountaintop experience for them. I, the the, the, the whiplash, whiplash of emotion that they've gone through. And then in the middle of all of this, there's, there's Peter. I, I'm sure that there was so much that this poor guy needed to work through. Later on in, in, in John chapter 21, I mean, it, it describes Peter with this, almost like this superhuman strength. He says that there's, the net is filled with fish. There's 153 fish, so much so that they couldn't pull it into the boat. But when then Jesus calls for the fish, Jesus, Peter goes and he grabs the net and he just, he yanks this net in. So and here's this man of extreme strength. But I imagine in this moment, as, as he's spending all night fishing, he's, he's worn out. He's in a place of weakness. He's in a place of exhaustion. He's in this, this place of disorientation and discouragement. Why? Because even though, I mean, and imagine it, it is great to see Jesus. It is great to have the resurrected Christ appear right before you. But have you ever, have you ever let someone down? Have you, have you ever, have you ever failed somebody? I mean, because the, the moment before Jesus's death, Peter denies him. Not once, not twice, but three times. Peter 
denies knowing Jesus. And so again, though it is good for Peter to see the resurrected Jesus, I imagine that every time that he locks eyes with Jesus, there's also that that tinge of, of hurt and shame and guilt that he's working through. Imagine that, that Peter hears himself telling Jesus, like, I will never betray you. I will never leave you. I, I mean, I know for me, that would, that's what would be on my mind. That's what I would be thinking about every time that I see Jesus. I would just be thinking through, man, I rejected you. And just wondering, like, where do we stand now? What does this mean for, for your calling on my life? What does this mean for the things that you've spoken over me? Like, what does this mean now that you're here and, 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 and you're in front of us? And it just, I just, what, what I, I guess what I picture in this space is just like, even though he's got this, this brute strength to him, Peter's strength and his expertise isn't enough to fill the nets. And he also realizes that his, the, the strength of his determination to not leave Jesus in and of, it, of himself wasn't enough to stay, to stay faithful to Jesus. So you just get this picture of, of, of this man who, who just knows he doesn't have enough within himself. And it's so, it's here in the middle of the disciples and, and their processing. And I think just trying to find some sense of normalcy and, uh, and familiarity by going out and doing something that they've always known in fishing. <laughs> this place where they're processing and trying to figure out what does this mean now? They get exactly what they need. Jesus shows up. They get the presence of Jesus here for them. And this is precisely what they need. And just like the sun breaks in on, on the night of the disciples' fruitless labor, Jesus steps in to the toiling and the processing that, that the disciples are going through. I love this picture. He, he calls out to them. He says, children or young men, do you, do you have any fish? And, and they respond, no. And then he, and he calls back to them. Try the other side of the boat. And I, I just, just imagine that in that moment, that there's something that, that's probably leaping within them. There's something happening within their bodies as, as they hear those familiar words, words that they, that they first heard from Jesus when he first called them. Just, they, they toss the net out into the water and then the, 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 the fish are, are just, they're everywhere and they're leaping. And it just seems like the, the fish leaping just matches probably the leaping that's happening within them. And, and the first person that responds is John. He turns to Peter and he says, it's the Lord. And Peter also responds and, and he and he, it's really weird. Like he puts on his clothes and then he dives in the water. You just see the, 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 
the act first of, of Peter, like the, the jump, then, then aim kind of actions of Peter. He, he leaps in the water and he, and he just, he swims towards Jesus. Side note, I love the variance in the body of Christ that's on display here because both, both disciples leap. Both disciples respond to Jesus. John, John first connects mentally. He, he first has this, this aha, like awareness that happens within him. And then he verbally expresses, it's the Lord. And then you have Peter and, and, and he responds in his body. He responds in a physical way where he just dives into the water. And I, I love this because I think what John subtly subtly does here in this is to, is to say it's not about comparison, comparing which one's better, but it, it's just this point of celebrating and highlighting the fact that here's Jesus and the disciples respond to him. There, there's a leaping that happens within them. But back to the, the, the point at hand, really what I, what I want to get us to, to see in, in this story is that in their place of processing, that in, in this long night of laboring and working through things, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. He steps in in their place of processing. And maybe we can go as far as to say that the disciples shouldn't have been out fishing. And, and maybe they were trying to run away from, 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 from what was happening in their lives. Maybe they were just trying to, to just go back to, to what they used to do. And in either space, what we see is that Jesus pursues the disciples. And we, and we see that constant character of our God all throughout the pages of Scripture. When Adam and Eve are, are hiding from God, God pursues them. When Jonah is trying to run away from God, God pursues them. And when the disciples are going out and they're just, they're going through the motions of life and they're in a place of processing, maybe they're in a place of running away, maybe they're in a place of hiding, God pursues them. And what I find so powerful and so beautiful in, in this narrative is how present, how compassionate, and how encouraging Jesus is. He calls them to himself. And in action and in his words, essentially what he does for them is to say, here's breakfast. I, I'm, I'm here to be the one that sustains you. I'm the one that will feed you. I, I'm the one that you need. I, I will be your sustenance. I will be the one that is the answers that you're searching for. Gee, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. Like here, here, I've made breakfast for you. And I, I love what's, what, you just stop and just, just imagine what's happening in this moment because, because I mean, they spent all night and there were no fish around them. And Jesus already has fish 
on the fire ready to go for them. Where did he get this, these fish? I mean, if, if there were no fish in proximity to the disciples all night long, where did Jesus get these fish? Because he's Jesus, that's why, right? But I, but I also love what's on, on display here because even though he has enough in and of himself, he also tells the disciples, bring me some of the fish that you caught. And it's just this incredible space of even though that Jesus is our sustenance, even though Jesus is the one that will be, that will, that will be our provision, he will be the one that provides breakfast for us. He still calls the disciples to participate in their eating. He calls out to them and says, go get some of that, those, those fish that you caught, <laughs> the ones that he provided for them. And all, listen, all, all of this to say a beat up, worn out, discouraged, and disoriented crew find sustenance in Jesus. I know for a lot of us, this past year has been challenging. There's been a lot of grief. There's been a lot of turmoil. There's been a lot of uncertainty. There's been a lot of processing that we've gone through as individuals, as households, as a community. There's, there's been a lot to work through. And I hope what would happen this morning for us is that we would, we would still be able to recognize the voice of Jesus calling out to us. Come eat. Come have breakfast with me. Come sit down with me. The, the picture here is of the disciples sitting around the, the table of fellowship with Jesus. S- simply said, it is a place of them just delighting in God's presence and finding again and again He will be the one that provides. He will be the one that is the source of of their flourishing. He will be the one that that life is defined by. And may we find that same space as followers of Christ. That, That in our places of processing, in our places of disorientation, in our places of just trying to figure out what's what's next in life. Again, that we we would hear the voice of Jesus saying, come and have breakfast with me. You know, I I hope you got the chance this last week to get a video from me that was just simply coming to you and saying, hey, would would you be someone that that finds a, a rhythm and habit of praying for our community? It continues to be something that I just feel pressed on my heart by the Lord to to call us as a community to just position ourselves near Jesus, to be a people that regularly come before him and say, God, would you be the one that forms us? Would you be the one that leads us? Would it regularly be the case that that we are in a position of saying, God, we need you. We, we, We are desperate for you to be the one that leads and directs our lives. Church, let's, let's eat at Jesus' table and continue to find he provides. But there's something else that's happening on the shoreline. 
Notice particularly the, the description of the fire here in John 21. We're told that it's a charcoal fire. And, and why give that level of, of description? Why make sure to mention that, that it was a charcoal fire that Jesus has, has assembled here for the disciples? Well, because there's another point in the book of John where, where a charcoal fire is mentioned. And it's on the night of Jesus' crucifixion, where, where there's a group of people that are assembled around a charcoal fire warming themselves. And one of those people that is around the charcoal fire is Peter. And it was around a charcoal fire that Peter denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus, it's like he recreates the scene for Peter, the place where Peter denied Jesus three times. And it's here in John 21 where Peter will confess three times that he loves Jesus. Jesus takes Peter back to the night of his betrayal. And he doesn't bring up his past to shame him. It isn't to guilt him. It isn't to, to rub it in his face and say, Peter, remember that time that, that you denied me? See, what I've realized in, in, in my life is that when, when God causes me to remember my past, it's because he wants to do a work of healing and restoration in me. It's because he wants to do that work of making me whole. And so again, it isn't just to say, let me just bring up your past to bring up your past. It's, it's because Jesus wants to do a deep and significant work in Peter's life. And so it's around the charcoal fire that Jesus restores Peter. The very place that Peter rejected him, Peter restores him. Friends, Jesus is far greater a savior than we are a sinner. And his ability to restore far outreaches our ability to reject. And I believe what's happening in, in this, this discussion that Jesus has with Peter is that Jesus sees something that exists within Peter that Peter in this moment cannot see within himself. And, and Jesus draws something out of him, and he does so by asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter responds, I, uh, I love the, the, the definition and the texture of what's happening here. Peter says, Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. Three times he does this. And, and John tells us that, that Peter's grieved in the, in the fact that, that Jesus asked him a third time. And, and Peter responds, you know all things. You know that I love you. And I imagine something so good broke through in Peter's heart as, as, he, as he heard himself say, you know that I love you. That what was identified here in this moment for Peter is that now life is again begin. It, it, it gets, it's, 
It's defined by Peter's love and no longer about his rejection. That it's like Peter, that like Jesus is able to, to establish in Peter's heart something that Jesus sees in him, that he wants to make sure that Peter also sees. Friends, as, as followers of Christ, it is a point of celebration when, when we read in Scripture that God sees the heart. And it isn't because it's a point of arrogance. It isn't because it's a point of pride where where we're able to say, God sees my heart and he sees that I love him. It's a point of celebration of the work of God, of the new heart that he has given to us. And, and, And it's like God wants to make sure that we see what he sees. What he sees when he looks at us. He sees our affection for him. And I believe that, that he, when he sees that, that, that the response is to say, yes, that's what I can work with. That's what I want to see established within you. That is something that I want to make sure that you see about you, about what I've done in your life. I want you to recognize the love that exists for God within your heart. Because it's after Peter confesses, yes, I love you, Jesus responds, feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Feed my sheep. Because Peter, I see within you that you love me. And that's what I can work with. I can work with the fact that you love me. And so your service, your, the calling upon your life, the foundation that I want to make sure exists within you is your love for me. I see that you love me. And after, after working through the, this, I imagine it was, a, it was a painful but but healing conversation between Jesus and Peter, Jesus then simply says, follow me. Follow me. And, and, and what I see in this is that Jesus just doesn't take Peter back to the night that Peter denied him, but he takes him back even further in time. He takes him back to that point when Peter first started following Jesus. Because it was essentially the same setting that's happening here. Peter's fishing And Jesus calls out to him, come follow me. And here I see that the restoration is complete. That that work of healing is taking place so, so deeply and wonderfully in Peter's life. That Jesus makes sure then to remind him, follow me. And, and, and then Jesus Jesus speaks over Peter. He speaks over him and tells him, you you are going to follow me. Even to to how you're going to die, your life is going to imitate me. And I just just love the the trajectory of this story where where here's a, a, a... the disciples were in this deep place of processing and they're disoriented. They're trying to figure out maybe we can go as far even to say that they're running away. And, and Jesus pursues them. 
to, to sustain them, to restore them, and again, to call them to a place of following. For their life again to be orbiting around Jesus. And let me give another side note. I love how in this story, following, loving, and serving are all so beautifully interwoven, interlocked with one another. That, that what, what Jesus is establishing here with Peter is that, that, he, that Peter would recognize the love that exists within his heart for Jesus. And because that love exists, that that, that it will be the foundation of Peter's serving. And then as that's being established, that he would be called, he would be called to this lifelong following of following Jesus, of being in orbit around him and, and seeing his life imitating Christ in every aspect of his life. Friends, let's end simply by saying this. Let's commit again to following Jesus. Whatever space we find ourselves in, if we're in a, a space where, where we are discouraged, where we have been, been just tossed by, by, by waves of, 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 of emotions and processing, that life has been challenging. Right here, right now, we would commit again to following Jesus. Whatever space we find ourselves in, that we would commit again to following Jesus. I, um, I remember coming across the story of, of, of a gal that came up to her pastor and, and was saying, man, I try. I try to have quiet time and I try to, to spend a longer period of time in prayer. And every time I do, it just feels like I get distracted like a thousand times. And the pastor just wisely responded and said, well, that's a thousand opportunities to return to the presence of Jesus. And, and listen, as, as we're in this place uh, of, of constantly being distracted, of, of being discouraged, of, of processing, of feeling like we're inadequate, of feeling like we don't have the strength in and of ourselves. Listen, I really believe every day presents countless opportunities to return to the presence of Jesus. And again, I just want to emphasize for us this morning, follow Jesus wherever you're at and whatever you're going through. Follow Jesus.